0: Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Matthew.
1: And this is Kevin.
0: And we're here for Trek no Babble's podcast of Voyager Season 5 in the Flesh. Yeah, um, which is. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's the return of Species 8472, um, who, I don't know, were not uninteresting. They haven't been perfectly developed, but. It hasn't been a disaster, you know, like the Kazon or something. Um,
1: it'd, be, it'd be difficult to find a disaster like the Kazon. I mean, you'd have to try. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, it was just such a like a slow motion train wreck, which you know, at every point along the way, you're like, everybody should know this is bad. I mean, it would be an interesting, uh, you know, project to sort of talk to the people involved and be like, so, yeah, did you, you know? No,
1: Yeah, did you see it? Did you see what we saw? Because we saw Ridiculous.
0: Um, anyway, it you know, I think it's uh, been something that is uh, worthwhile to revisit. Uh, species 8472 doesn't have the sort of drawbacks uh, that a typical sort of Milky Way galaxy species would have in that they... Should be tied to a particular location, um, but their ethos was kind of their weak point. If if you ask me, you know, we sort of got just like Kess mind melding with them, and they just seemed like pure malevolence. Right?
1: They were they were generically evil. Um, and I, I yeah. was thinking about that uh, rewatching this, just prepping for this. Uh, I think they do a good job of introducing a super powerful villain. <laughs> in a way that doesn't diminish their super powerfulness because they weren't technically defeated. I mean, spoiler alert, you know, for an episode going on 20 years old. Um, but uh, I, I think that's one of the draws of the episode for me is that they managed to find a way to introduce a species of great power with and succeed without having to have had diminished that power to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: but you know, we'll get we'll get to the end of the
0: episode when we get there. Yeah, why don't we start it? So we all have our media queued up, and we will all press play simultaneously in three, two, one, press play. It's a nice opening shot. Um, I mean, the relatively obvious optical effect you know when they pan actually is still pretty good yeah, it's a, it's once, a, a once the pan is over the lighting is pretty good
1: yeah it's a map but it's a good mat and obviously boothby is kind of a a red flag that either were on, you know that were on earth even if uh, you know starfleet academy it's all well done um i like i like admiral bullock he he looks like an admiral like uh I was, oh, I was, the way he delivers his
0: lines, totally.
1: I was just uh, on a road trip to Wisconsin for the Labor Day weekend, and we listened to Hamilton, to and from, and uh, he reminds me of George, uh, the actor who played George Washington. That same just kind of like gravitas that just emanates from him. Uh, just yeah, he's imperious. He's admiral.
0: He? That's quite a camera. Uh, <laughs> you I, know, I understand on the one a... hand, you might think to yourself. I mean, this technology looks ridiculous now because we have things that are so much smaller, uh, but perhaps it has future capabilities. You know, like
1: I mean, I believe it's supposed to be a hollow camera, so it should be able to recreate a scene in three dimensions. Uh, like that's how you're able to like look behind a person in the field of vision and see what's behind them and all that. And speaking of that, we're we're getting there. We were just uh, talking about this before we started. Samsung, like. Cell phones will have two cameras on the back now, so you can create a photo that has both shallow and deep depth of field in the same image that you can manipulate later. We're we're, we're inching toward hollow cameras. I mean,
0: well, and Sony is putting out a camera that does three uh, D object scanning. Um, so yeah, that, you know, I mean, there's probably if you had enough, if you weren't just scanning visible light, uh, let's put it that way then you should be able to make a camera that could reasonably extrapolate things that are behind, you know, the field of view. Um, you know, if you, if you included x-rays and infrared and, you know, whatever, right. Microwaves, even gravity waves, who knows? Um, you should be able to take a picture of the back of someone's head. Uh, you know, they know they don't get into it. Right. And that, that's, in a lot of ways, to Star Trek's credit. you know They show the result and they, they don't stress the how it's done. And the result, if they make it cool enough, inspires people, right? I mean, Warp Drive has inspired generations of physicists. And so has uh, Holodeck, so has Tricorder, Communicators, you know. So yes, it looks a little big and clunky, <laughs> right? But hey, it's a holo camera. We don't have those yet. Um, so the set is, uh, or the location, rather, is really cool. You know, I like these gardens. Um, Great you know, reuse and, of
1: the uh, water reclamation plant for, for Starfleet Academy.
0: Yeah. Well, and so that that makes anybody who's watched uh, TNG instantly happy, right? Yeah. And of course, we have Ray Walston as Boothby. Uh, Ray Walston, who was probably most famous as my favorite Martian, um, but definitely gets to, I mean, look, he's like quintessential uh, wise old guy, right? (laughs) (laughs) But he does it really well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, let me ask this. When you first watched this episode, did you find Chakotay's presence? So Boothby and the Academy clearly signal Earth, if not the, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge. So when you see Chakotay, did you immediately figure it's not really Chakotay or it's not really Earth?
0: I think... So we've had episodes before, uh, like Non-Sequitur, for instance, in which they were back on Earth, but it was some kind of alternate Earth. So I think... What you're thinking about initially in this episode is, you know, something's not right. Obviously, Chakotay should not be on Earth. Um, you know, is this a dream, a simulation? So we've also had TNG episodes where there's been a simulation, right? Uh, like uh, Future Imperfect, for instance. Uh, you know, so I think as a veteran Trek fan, you know, you, you know something's wrong, and you're looking for clues, right? To figure out what it is that is
1: wrong i mean i have to applaud it uh spoiler alert it's species 8472 um i have to applaud their their homework those like the cadet uniforms like th- the producers did a good job of incorporating all of the things we know need to be there to make this a convincing earth because star trek fans among anyone are very picky um and it would be really easy to get it wrong. In fact, there's a few times when they go back in time, and I think they get Janeway. There's one episode in particular that uh, Fury, where I think they just got Janeway's hair terribly wrong in a way that shocked me. So, but here they got the fine details really on the mark. Uh, and here, here we're introduced uh, to the episode's other major guest star, um, who, Kate di- who diehard science fiction fans will recognize as uh, Ellen Ty from uh, Battlestar Galactica's reboot. And obviously she hadn't yet done that um, when she did this. And I don't think I recognized her until I re Voyager. I'm like, why do I know this attractive woman in her 40s? Who is this
0: woman? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's really just the sort of beast on lips that read the same. Because she's like, <laughs> in Battlestar, she's like a mess, right? Yeah. Pretty much all the time. And, like, you could tell she's good looking. Yeah. But she's just, like, you know, a hot mess. And here she's, like, ultra smooth and composed and, you know, perfectly put together with the updo and everything. I mean, uh, I, I gotta, she's, got, she's got great presence.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Kate Vernon does a good job of, like, you, you could put her between, you know, Kate Mulgrew, um, Trish O'Neill's Rachel Garrett, um, Lesser part, you know, like, like uh, Madge Sinclair's Saratoga Captain or, you know, Sybil the Forge. Like, there, there's an array of, like, female Starfleet commanding officers that just have that presence. And I think she nails that, that tone really well. Like, looking back, I kind of wish when they made the reveal about, uh, spoiler alert for Battlestar Galactica, when they made the reveal about Ellen Ty, I kind of wish she turned into this character instead of kind of staying the old one.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. I I see what you're saying she's strong and yet still feminine you know like I don't want to beat up on Tasha Yar but you know Tasha Yar is sort of the opposite right she's like sort of ridiculous (laughs) second wave feminist fantasy you know it's like I'm gonna kick ass just like the boys kick ass you know this is different right this is she's comfortable in her skin she doesn't have anything to prove to anybody uh, but she's in command. She knows the facts. She's you know intelligent. Uh, she's a player, right? That, maybe that's the way Commander to Commander
1: Shelby. That's the name I've been searching for for the last uh, few minutes. That same like interior confidence that makes me wish this character had come back.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, there there's obviously no way for that to have worked. But it's still really it, it, yeah. She just nails the aura. That's you know that, that's always like. Um, you know, guest star one hundred and one. Do you do you feel like you inhabit the universe? And uh, she definitely does that.
0: So I do have a few questions. These are obviously post-reveal type questions, but um, how many how many people are? I, I guess this is a really big chunk of San Francisco. Like, shouldn't they but, have
1: recognized Jakota and Tuvok as outsiders immediately, simply for being yes. new people?
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, you know one thing that sort of annoys me is Chicote's rank insignia. That seems like one detail that they really should have uh, caught should, given yeah. details yeah. everything else is. You know no one else is wearing provisional rank insignia. Why would they right I mean it's it's such an unusual circumstance. Uh, the only time we've ever seen it is in Voyager. You know the location is just fabulous for lighting. I mean, they really found good times to shoot. It's bright, but they've, they've sort of floodlit the characters really well so that there, you know there's no harsh shadows. and it's just very vibrant and colorful. So here's our exterior shot. And so now you know, okay, great. there's a, a huge space station. Kind of reminiscent of Dark City, actually, if you've ever seen that movie. Mm. Um, you know, and so everybody knows it's a fake, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, but we don't have the second big reveal. yeah:
1: I need to look up this actor who's playing the uh, ensign here because he looks like he looks like classic background ensign, that kind of like generic face of like I'm sure this man has appeared in every color uh, like every division color uniform over some course of at least Voyager if not TNG and DS9 as well but he just he just looks like background filler Starfleet officer extremely well
0: (laughs) but you know what he's playing agitated really well like it it's believable like he seems really believable I, I will say, though, these particular lines are not great. Disease, humans, <laughs> are not the best. Yeah, yeah. But the performance is good. His name is Zach Galligan. And actually, I don't think he's uh, been in any other hmm. Star Trek
1: A great shot of Voyager the the soft lighting and uh, the just the pin lights from the from the ship really well done effect
0: is a pretty decent photographer or holographer
1: all right how do we feel about boothby apparently being the mentor to like every notable Starfleet captain at some point doesn't that strain credulity like there's fan service and then there's going too far.
0: Whoever they are, they've gathered incredibly accurate information. I mean, yeah, that's true, right? I mean, to... to okay, so we'll, we'll address the question, but to know Boothby, to know that he's got this relationship, how did they obtain all this information? Right?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a pretty sophisticated... Maybe they managed to intercept uh, the transmission of the of the show... Um, which should just now be reaching, you know, uh, the, the, oh, gamma the first Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I,
0: I don't think it's all that bad. Um, I, I think the larger question, the larger sort of, huh, by the way, that was a fabulous, fabulous visual of San Francisco. Yeah. Um, astrometrics is always a pretty good lab and the okudas and whoever else is doing the sort of cg design they you know they always nail it um the larger question is is this really the one starfleet academy that everybody goes to i mean this is a a galaxy striding organization with many different species that you don't all see in you know san francisco right and so i just kind of wonder do all the best captains go through Earth? Are the best captains typically human? Um, so I, I don't mind that Janeway had the same mentor as Picard. Now, obviously, we're talking about like a, at least a 20-year uh, spread, right? Given when she went through and when Picard went through.
1: Yeah.
0: Because uh, he was a captain aboard the Stargazer, too. Uh, here's our reveal of species 8472.
1: Oddly the enough, blan- the blanket
0: doesn't look great. Yeah,
1: the blanket's the worst part, randomly. Like, the, the, well, the, the 8472, is to do, right? 8472 looked, I think, pretty decent given the time. The blanket looked super, like, first gen <laughs> mist level of CGI.
0: <laughs> uh, but overall, it looked okay. And I love that they are doing this call out to America towns in the Soviet Union, right? Uh, because it it gives us that little piece to latch on this that sort of analogous element to latch onto and then to be like ah i get it you know it's like this is like a cold war kind of thing they oh, they know go. their enemies they're not in a hot conflict yeah. but they want to figure each other out oh, perhaps right?
1: they acquired their information from the borg they theoretically would have learned about boothby from the card
0: okay okay <laughs> i'll take
1: it it's, uh,
0: i'm i'm well it, it's it's a couple additional leaps because we've never seen on screen species 8472 sort of assimilating borg information uh, but at least in principle they could have yeah so yeah i'm 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 done with that in some ways uh, this is kind of a a redo and a precursor. It's a redo in as much as the uh, founders were infiltrating Earth. Right? And so you never knew who was who. Right. Um, And in some ways, it's a a bit of a preview of Battlestar with, you know, who's a Cylon, who's not. Right? Um, I think, though, the idea of imposters is strong enough to survive multiple iterations as long as there's enough else going on. And I think that's the case here, you know? Like, just this character stuff uh, is really nice. I like the way Kate Mulgrew is, you know, sort of mooning over San Francisco. Uh, And you can see in Robert Beltran's acting, too, you know, he's sort of amused and charmed by the whole idea, too. And, of course, he's going to go back, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so the Cold War angle, you know, the angle of their emotional attachment to this place. Uh, but then, you know, the sort of tangible threat of such a powerful race mimicking human form. Uh, it, I think it all works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, and uh, so
0: here we've got this, you know, it's like you're testing me type drama. Yeah which is similar to Founder and Cylon stuff. Tulak's already there. (laughs) They played that scene really well.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, it worked even if it didn't have this element But now that it does have this element, there's extra layers to it, right? Because she can be really charming and personable, but still be playing an angle, right? Yeah. And I think that's really cool.
1: You know, if only for the uh, Bechtel test passing reasons, uh, I really enjoy the uh, scenes with both uh, Archer and Janeway in the same room. It's like it's, Just nice to see, you know, oh, look, women on screen in science fiction and they're not talking about relationships.
0: Yeah. No, Voyager certainly is among the better television series in that respect. Uh, It's a a tough standard, you know. Like, if there were like a reverse standard, there would be male-driven shows that failed, you know. To have male characters just doing stuff without talking about relationships or you know wanting to get with female character acts I agree that it's less so right obviously it's it's more rare to find uh, a female driven show or female characters but it's still it's a pretty tough test you know like if you want to be really rigorous about it a fair chunk of Voyager fails you know it certainly helps when you have seven of nine come on board.
1: Well, I I think that's the thing. In most most of Hollywood, from what I understand, there's still this kind of presumption that there is but one designated spot for a female character, and to have more would somehow throw off a balance. That, you know, despite the fact they make up half the population, they can't be more than 10% of an ensemble cast.
0: Yeah. Seven of Nine's arrival definitely helps because, you know, she, for the first several years, is uninterested in romance. And so... All of her conversations are, uh, you know, business-oriented, basically.
1: Then um, she goes for Chakotay, which,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, I kind of feel, uh, I don't know, should she have gotten with Kim? I don't know.
1: Please, i take the doctor.
0: Well, I mean, they actually developed that reasonably well. Um, so, nanoprobes how do you feel about now they're
1: magic um and like all magic i appreciate it best when the rules are clearly articulated and they are the source of dramatic tension rather than the deus ex machina solution to it um if anything they work here because they they allow for the creation of a weapon that if wouldn't defeat 8472 would at least blunt their advance so it gives janeway if not true parody at least uh she can make it cost them to continue whatever it is they're doing. So it makes the brinksmanship count. Um, yeah,
0: so- and that's kind of what they're getting at in this conversation here. Yeah. you know, they're, they're labeling it a weapon of mass destruction and talking about deterrence, right? So, okay. This is a nice interior set. I like the curved window. Um, we were just talking about you. Seriously? <laughs> like red alert time to leave yeah you know how much of this is role playing
1: yeah they're all just larping
0: <laughs> i i'm just like i'm really curious does she suspect him yet are we to take that as what's going on
1: i i had to yeah like i mean especially given later on when she like why test DNA from her lips to like confirm things I mean like I assume she had to know the whole time or I mean at least she had to think she was being tested in some way if not by an actual human then by someone testing how well she could pretend to be human like, like maybe she could think for a minute this was some deep double cross type of thing but I think she clearly knows something's
0: up Yeah, I mean, I guess that has to be the case because otherwise you just have to, like, the Booth B-8472 really is a mentor to all the non-Booth B-8472s. And, <laughs> like, they, they all cultivate that relationship in order to understand human emotions or something. I, I don't know. Um, so we're in the Delta Flyer. Uh, it's a nice set. It's certainly more interesting than your standard shuttlecraft. Uh, the
1: the controls still the, nag me, but I've let that go.
0: No, the, the knobs and dials are kind of silly. Uh, it is Tom's hot rod, basically. You know, but you have to wonder whether other people enjoy flying this thing, or whether you can replicate all the functions with the L-CARS interface. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of thought they should have a stick, generally. In you know, a shuttlecraft, it's always kind of mystified me when they're, you know, doing these precise maneuvers with button presses. So here is an obvious. Uh, you think this is four or six?
1: That's six. That's the shot right before the meeting where the C and C is the Klingon Empire has 50 years of life left to it. That is Star Trek six, because the one from four is daytime they only approach in daytime it's never nighttime over san francisco in four and in one and anytime they reuse it it's a daytime um like plaza shot that bridge shot is is six
0: i feel like there was a nighttime vista in two
1: over san francisco i don't think they'd have time
0: they go right from
1: the simulator to the shuttle pod up to the to the enterprise
0: well, no, but they're in Kirk's apartment.
1: Oh yeah. Hmm. Speaking of that, we should go see the. Uh, they're they're putting it back in theaters for the anniversary. We should go.
0: Yeah, I saw. Um, I'm I'm interested, but I want to know what they're projecting it from.
1: A yeah. phone. They're they're <laughs> they're they're just holding up a. They're holding up an iPad in front of the audience.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just well, I'm like. Presumably it's digital projection, I just want to know what the source material is. No, no. If it's just the Blu-ray, then you know it's not worth my fourteen dollars. But if it's, you know, an actual like four K or eight K scan, then I'm interested.
1: I'm also curious which cut. Like will they have that extra scene explaining why Scotty was so upset about Peter Preston? I mean, that would help.
0: This is nice dialogue in that it sort of gets to the psychology of eight four seven two. And you know, their misapprehensions about humanity, right? Yeah, based uh, on the encounter they've had, they've come to these conclusions. Are, are they well founded? No, but are they totally off base? No. I well, mean you could see
1: I also think one of the hardest things to do effectively, to the point that I think only a handful of you know, even authors in writing um have managed to really achieve is trying to examine what an alien must truly be like, because most Star Trek aliens for better, or for worse are literally humans with bumpy foreheads. Yeah. Um, but you know, their outlook on the universe, the way they process it, the way they ex- deal with it, it's, it's a, you know, obviously because human actors need to play them. Um, so I like that they kind by flipping it to make, rather than having to have a human, try to understand the alien, they had to portray an alien, trying to understand the human. They gave us an insight into eight, four, seven, two's experience, through a fair, through something understandable, like it's 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 a it's a well done piece of writing. That bathrobe is made out of car mats, and <laughs> like it is just. I'm sorry, that woman has. If that woman were were a real human being, she would have a much more flattering bathrobe for the, uh, you know, last act of a date that was going well. I'm just, I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's pretty hot, and she definitely. Uh, deserves more flattering clothing. I'm
1: not saying it has to be like one of those like tiny silk numbers that is extremely high cut to the point that it has no utility as a robe, but she has a more flattering robe than that. Why would you do that to her? It's
0: not fair. Her flirting game is really advanced and <laughs> it just... No, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this seriously. You know, like, how do you like the view? You know, like, that kind of stuff. And it just raises questions for me about... How they've, I mean, obviously that's the point of the sim- simulation. I, I guess I just would have liked more about their intelligence gathering, you know, because obviously the Voyager crew should be really curious about that. I like this debate, of course, and this is a very Chakotay kind of scene, right? You know, he's always the guy who wants to see things from the other side uh, and to be a pacifist, right? Yeah, like, saying that kind of stuff, like, have they researched classified ads?
1: I mean, yeah, this is, this is like a step beyond knowing idiomatic, like, it's hard enough to learn idiomatic English for other humans, like, I mean.
0: (laughs) Well, and so you, you wonder whether there's, there are, like, mental implants or something. I'm no expert at human dating rituals, not true, but I think it's customary to kiss goodnight. you know, he should have nailed
1: her. <laughs> like, uh, like Riker and, uh, Linnell in First Contact.
0: Yeah.
1: For the, for the mission. It's for the mission.
0: Well, and so, you know, he goes, he kisses her here, right? I just, I don't know. I guess the story is strong enough as it is. Yeah, Contact really specific. does
1: get the sure-fit of, uh, like super hot alien women of the week. Cause I think, what was it? I uh, not remember me. Unforgettable with Virginia Madsen. Like he really like any time, uh, you know, uh, no,
0: Chote's is the one who gets sort of the 35 plus tail. And you know, so this is nice, right? Nice scene.
1: Well, it's also like, 8472 feels like a competent villain here. They're not mustache twirling. They are reacting as they really should react to the situation. Um, and that makes them scarier because they're competent rather than just villainous.
0: I like that notion going to daylight, right? Because it's, uh, it's very jarring. Yeah. You know, and it, it, reinforces the unreality of the situation yeah it's similar to the truman show actually
1: yeah i was thinking of that also by keeping the outdoor sets to this park it does reinforce the notion this is a confined space like we don't run into like the crazy holodeck problem of like well how the hell are they maintaining a simulation this size like it does feel like a fairly confined space
0: there's several Bajorans, uh, and I saw a bolian there. Yeah. I mean, I suppose they've got lots of Bajoran appliances lying around. A warhead. It's not possible to replicate a new supply. Directive 010. Must try non-military. I mean, does that regulation even have effect now? Because they're past first contact?
1: I like that Janeway is on board with Seven at this point like she's you know she'll go through the motions because of her training but it's not like she doesn't think this is going somewhere it makes the the eventual like it's it's like I think Picard even at this point would still have been more we will reach a diplomatic solution it's interesting to see Janeway's take um, that's a little more resigned to what she sees as the inevitable military conflict.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's obviously in a different uh, position, too, right? She's, you know, stranded. Uh, You know, all she's got is her ship, and she has to be a lot more uh, tactically judicious. Some nice glassware. Okay, so they've got Chakotay's rank and service number, and they know that he's the first officer of Voyager, so they must have had some kind of information dump or scrape recently. Has Voyager been in contact with her yet? We haven't had Pathfinder yet, have we?
1: No, I think we've gotten Message in a Bottle and some of the limited stuff with the Herogen data network. I right. don't okay. know. Are we getting the? Um, we're not getting like the monthly mailbag yet, right?
0: Not yet. No. So Earth does know that Voyager's there. So they they would have known that. Chicote plays an interesting uh, game here in telling the truth, right? Uh, We're not at war. We're not sending a fleet. I mean, like, Boothby is the leader.
1: Yeah, why not the Admiral, just because of the relative?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, they they seem to both be in leadership roles, right? But Boothby seems to be the leader leader. Yeah. Which, hey, I mean, they're using an actor to his fullest, right? Yeah. The CG model on the station is not great from a distance. It's a bit uh, sort of jaggy. So although she seemed to be on board with militarism, now she's taking a more cautious approach in the attempt to preserve life. I mean, I guess it could just be preserving Chicote's life, but still. I mean, it's interesting that she's the one doing all this stuff. Like, that seems like a bad idea.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, once we get... Like, they did a good job of staffing this with extras, but once we get to the main heft, it does kind of get reduced to, like, a play here where there's now just, like, four people alone on the stage together. And I understand why. You can only pay so many speaking actors in one episode. But, it like, it does seem it does seem odd that it's now just out of her hands and... Being done by different people, but it's it's not fatal, and she's a good actress, so I'm not mad that she sticks around.
0: I mean, she's been reading the collected works of George Bernard Shaw, <laughs> which, hey, uh, you know, like kudos on the preparation, I guess. But it's only been like a year. And
1: Shaw's a deep cut. I mean, he's a good English playwright, but it's not even like he's the obvious English playwright, and you have a lot of, to get through. <laughs>
0: Well, you might go with Shakespeare, or the Bible, or...
1: I mean, at least Albie, you know, just... <laughs> I would really like to see an alien species interpret Earth through the plays of Edward Albie. They probably wouldn't be wrong.
0: <laughs> Janeway is putting up a good front here.
1: I I gotta say, both uh, Ms. Archer and Boothby are committed to their act. They never don't don't rattle my cage. (laughs) They never drop the character they're performing to the point that he still uses these, like, you know, down-home colloquialisms to let that the real Boothby would use. So either it's a testament to their acting ability. Um, It's just it's, it's it's something I noted.
0: Well, I, and I just, I wonder how you could achieve that, you know? Like, do you take brain scans? It, do you, like, download centuries worth of movies and television, you know, into someone's <laughs> psyche?
1: Do they watch my favorite Martian? Like,
0: <laughs> You've studied a Starfleet database. You must have learned something about our history. We adhere to our directives.
1: I've watched a Starfleet database, and that's a, it's like an eighty-five percent true statement, which is better than most people with most ideals, but still.
0: <laughs> well, and it depends on you know <laughs> how important the captain is, right? Right. All gussied up to look like human being, like the homespun stuff works because Ray Walston is really good.
1: Yeah, if, uh, I question whether the word gussie would have even survived to the 24th century for the real Boothby, but I let it go.
0: Oh, come on, get on the trolley, Kevin. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of things that survive for a long time, <laughs> you know, like uppercase and lowercase. You know the origins of those terms? I do not. Well, so back in the early days of the printing press, uh, people would keep their, um, you know, their dies for different letters, and they would put capital letters. There, there'd be a sort of a, a shelf along the wall, and then a table uh, in front of that shelf, you know. And so you would put your capital letters in the uppercase. And you would put your lowercase letters in the, the lower case of letters. And that's how you would sort your letters for a movable type printing press. Hmm. I mean, that's like, how old is the printing press? 600 years? Uh, well, you know,
1: I mean, I wonder how long the word dial will, will make it through phones, given the fact that no yeah. one's dialed a phone in about 50 years.
0: Or to tape something, right? Yeah. I think tape will probably die out pretty soon. But uppercase and lowercase, I mean, that's something that despite most people having absolutely no idea what it could possibly be referencing is something that survives in the vernacular. So, you know, I I think Gussie, (laughs) I'm willing to believe that. Beating around the bush. And this is
1: good brinksmanship, and it's uh, sadly relevant given that uh, to to whatever alien species finds this recording... um, it, we, we left an incompetent in charge of our brinksmanship, and it didn't go well. Um, it's just, I'm watching Janeway lower Voyager shields as an act of goodwill, and I'm, like, crying on the inside right now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: She's manipulating us oh see now archer
1: also uh, something else we we've uh, tagged here at trek no um anytime a alien a villain or an adversary shows uh diversity in its opinions and its actions it always makes it better like the Cardassians did that really well in which there were you know truly patriotic Cardassians. Conveniently patriotic Cardassians, unpatriotic Cardassians, and the mixture of agendas makes the villain far more interesting. So given that you can have um, you know, Bullock's clearly the Warhawk, uh Boothby is the more pragmatic, but still certainly not in any way pacifist. Archer, through her study of humans, has learned something about them and is willing to like there is a, there, even among these three random selections, there's still disagreement about the correct course of action, and that makes 8472 feel like a real, actual group of beings.
0: Well, and you know what? That's, you mentioning Archer. I think that's the reason I think they should have hooked up, is because it would create a question in the viewer's mind whether there's a real emotional connection between her and Chakotay and whether uh that sort of experience of love and tenderness and all that stuff you know could color her opinion and you know sort of justify her thought that you know maybe they're not so violent you know maybe we're getting sort of an incomplete picture uh certainly if they have access to like all human literature you know they must know that humans aren't uniformly warlike and don't desire to destroy any anyone unlike them like they could see them as complex yeah. right
1: This is probably one of my favorite disagreements between Seven and Janeway because Seven is like closer to right without being quite so strident or philosophically static. Um, Most of these conversations have come to devolve somewhat quickly to when you freed me from the collective, you explained humanity as quality X, your actions run contradictory to quality X, and I am angry because of it. Um, So I I, I like this conversation as both sides. Again, there's reasonable disagreement here about the correct course of action. This really could quite literally blow up in Janeway's face. Oh, hey, there's Ethan Phillips contractually obligated appearance.
0: (laughs) I wonder if he says anything. I think he does. I
1: think he calls him Mr. Vulcan. Yeah.
0: No, there, He's got a line.
1: Tim Russ had a good uh, take from the back there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like they should take shore leave, right? promise you the moon apparently it worked since uh,
1: yeah, that doesn't come up again yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the final appearance of 8472 it, I mean if it is they went out in a good way I think you know they, they become less monolithically evil and more um, you know complex and interesting I mean, she seems genuinely friendly. Like touched, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, so they're going back to fluidic space, and then what? They all sound like they're sure that they're not going to resume these forms. Yeah. How do they get a phone number? Like they say in your century, I don't even have your telephone number. <laughs> yeah, they they should have done it. <laughs> no, it would make all this stuff. No, more- no,
1: I, I, I get what you're saying. You're not you're you're not just being prurient. I appreciate that. Um, I really wish uh, Kate Vernon had been on the show, even as a different character. She's a, she's a good actress, and she nails the energy of the of a Starfleet type well.
0: Well, I mean, could would they have made her like a species eight four seven two observer or something? And she would keep the human form. I don't know, right? I could see that. Possibly working
1: in the book. In a book, it would work in a book. <laughs>
0: well, no, I mean presumably as part of a larger, more self-contained uh, plot in which eventually, you know, the rest of eight four seven two comes around and there's some sort of conflict and and whatever, and then the character has gone. You know, so it could play out over a season or something, uh, which would afford the opportunity for a deep and interesting relationship that we care about Um, on the strength of the acting. I think we cared about it to whatever extent was possible um, in the space of 45 minutes. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah. Um, writing wise, I think it's, I think it's a very strong concept. Uh, you know, actually it kind of reminds me of, um, what's the one with, Riker on the Klingon ship. Um,
1: oh, uh, Matter of Honor.
0: A Matter of Honor. Oh, way better. Emis- Wait, yeah. I'm, think, I'm thinking of the Emissary, actually.
1: Yeah, is the one when Kalar comes aboard.
0: Yeah, and so the idea there was sort of this um, lost colony. So th- there were stories about Japanese soldiers who were camped on extremely tiny islands defending them yeah and they didn't know that the war was over for like decades <laughs> afterward which seems like kind of a dick move on the part of the japanese but I, you know i guess their government had been obliterated um so the sort of uh americatown uh concept is super strong Obvi- i mean it's strong enough to uh underpin a whole series the americans um, is it amc is that an amc series um you know so i'm into it like i like the idea and the strong concept coupled with some pretty darn good acting and really nice attention to detail i you know i enjoyed it from start to finish i remember loving this episode when it first aired um, and I, I don't think it really falls down. They're, you and I are capable of picking, you know...
1: <laughs> Some fairly fine-grained nits, yeah.
0: yeah. Practically infinite nits. Uh, but overall, I, I think the writing is really strong, right? And maybe the acting is stronger than the writing. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a fun idea. It's really well executed. They anchor it. On some very strong actors. I think lesser guest stars could have easily derailed it by making us not care. Um, like, they really do a good job of making uh, 8472 feel like an in, like a real set of beings with a real set of goals. And uh, that's, that's on the backs of the actors as much as the writing.
0: If I were going to, you know, sort of peg it, I would say the writing is probably four ish. But the acting is probably five ish and the production values are pretty darn good. So it, I, I would say this is kind of a borderline case between a four and a five. Yeah. You know? I,
1: I think, I think so as well. I, I think this is solidly a four. Um, everything works. Uh, that's not, yeah, it's like a four is not a criticism. Uh, I, I can't quite see it as a five. It's not. It's a very good episode, but it's not one that I pull in my head as like the best of st- like you know the, the like fine grained you know top ten percent. But it's it's definitely up there. Like it, this is a very good episode. It it plays what well, the plays the politics well. Um, it yeah. I, I would say overall this is a solid enthusiastic four for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I want to say five, but I think you're probably right. I think to to say it was a five, I would want to see a little bit more ambition. Yeah. Um, yeah, either to really dig into how they could achieve this level of verisimilitude, or going for a very strong emotional story. You know, they've done it on Tos, for instance, in which uh, Kirk or spock or mccoy for that matter uh falls in love right and that relationship is doomed for whatever reason you know so obviously doomed by dint of (laughs) you know being completely incompatible species who are at war with one another would be a good conflict to introduce into a relationship uh and you know when the actors can do it it really works right i mean part of the reason that city on the edge of forever is so good. If it were just the time travel story, it might be a four, but given that it's time travel married to such a potent emotional story for Kirk, you know, and, and the love story between, uh, Kirk and Edith Keeler, you know, that's why it it, it's so it's such a, you know, sort of gut punch of an impact. Right. And so that that might be lacking a little bit here, like it's clever, it's fun, I really enjoy watching it, but I guess it doesn't like move me.
1: Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, solid. Yeah, this this is this is not one of those where it's like uh, this is barely a four. It's better than average. No, this is very much almost like an archetypal four. It's a very good episode that is very well executed, but lacks that somewhat annoyingly ineffable something to really be. That reach. And yeah, if you look at the fives, fives tend to really grab you viscerally. That this falls just shy of. But still, very good episode, very good acting. Um, If nothing else, for all of our nitpicks, they never bother me really in the episode. Like, it's all... Yeah, so it's yeah, one of those, like, I don't really think about those issues until I'm thinking about the episode while well, I'm watching the episode. It's pretty good. It's just a good, solid, engaging experience, and the actors really brought it, brought the depth uh, that the write- they really added to the writing, so.
0: I, I want to single out the visuals, though. I mean, the location shooting, the, the just absolute plethora of extras in costume, you know, the the sets that they created for the bar and the quarters, it all really worked. Like, even if the story was just sort of ho-hum, like visually, it was just really splendid all the way through. Um, you know, the, the only effects that stuck out as being mediocre were the CG, which, I mean, of course it was mediocre. It was like 1996 or whatever. Um, you know, it's. If Voyager can do episodes like this for the rest of the series, I mean, it would be an all time great. Obviously, no one ever has that kind of batting average. But, um, yeah. So, we both give it fours, and that makes it an eighth, and I think that's a yeah. very respectable rating.
1: All right. Uh, then we will uh, see you here. Uh, soon for the next podcast and next week for the next review. I forget what's coming up next. Uh, what's what's early season five? Um,
0: well, we are going to be doing um, the new series. Oh
1: yeah, wow, that's come. That is around the damn corner, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I've
0: been, uh, I've been, I've
1: been, I've been so like in a defensive crouch for fear it might not be okay uh, that I've just not been thinking about it.
0: Oh, I, I wouldn't even call it that. Like, I, I've i essentially convinced myself that it's going to be complete garbage, uh, so that <laughs> if it has any redeeming facets whatsoever, it'll be a source of joy, right? Um, oh, we've got Timeless, which is uh, a classic. Um, 30 Days, one of my absolute favorite uh, Voyager episodes is coming up soon. Bride of Chaotica. Oh, uh, that's a good one. Fun. Uh, Infinite Regress, I think, is a pretty decent episode with... Uh, is, that, is that a seven vehicle? Gravity is a very strange one coming up.
1: I like Gravity. I, I, I have like an, it. I, have I like it, the for it, yeah.
0: Uh, Bliss is actually quite good. Uh, Dark Frontier is pretty decent. Uh, Course Oblivion is divisive. Uh, I will defend it. <laughs> I enjoy it. I I think course (laughs)
1: oblivion is one of those episodes for me that does a great job of being its, its own episode, but exemplifies a bigger problem with storytelling in Voyager. But we'll, we'll get that. We'll get to it when we get to it. I think the next episode literally in order is once upon a time. And I'm just going to spoil my review now and say, I am not flotter's biggest fan.
0: Yeah. Flotter is not the best. I agree. But just scanning through this season, uh, this season has a lot of really good stuff in it. I gotta say, eleven fifty nine is another strange one, which is pretty decent. Someone to watch over me is, our, you know, the sort of uh, Doctor Seven episode we've been uh, waiting for. You know, with their romance, uh, sort of romance. Um, there's a lot going on in this season, and I I like what I'm seeing as far as uh, my my memories, right? Yeah, so I, I think for the the new show, we'll probably do reaction podcasts as opposed to, um, you know, commentary podcasts. Yeah. Real time commentary, simply because it, you know, I, I don't know if people will be able, even able to watch it like that. Yeah. So we'll definitely do that. Um, <laughs> I hope we have reactions that are good and happy but I have I don't know if there are words to describe how little faith I have in this series and the people who are involved and especially the the bad messages that the trailers have sent to me the look of the Klingons I just well in the trailers look Everybody and their brother was like, "Oh, you know, Star Trek Beyond is gonna be so much like real Star Trek. don't don't pay any attention to the trailers. The trailers aren't representative. It's like, no, they were pretty fucking representative. you know. It's like you don't make a movie and have those scenes available to put in a trailer unless it's a significant chunk of your movie, right?" They don't choose scenes that are not representative of a movie for trailers. That would be a very, very bad business decision, right? And so I know we're off topic here, but what I'm getting from the trailers is that they're gonna try for like character development stuff, which seems crucial to, you know, a continuing television series. And so they're they're at least like competent in that respect, but all of the the visual and the overtones and the music, it, it just, it strikes me as another sort of shouty action vehicle in the way that the Abrams shitfests were. And so I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm very down on it, but, you know, we'll watch the damn thing and we'll rate them and we'll see, right? Mm. But I've been wrong before on very rare occasions, so <laughs> it could happen. Uh, that's where i'm at (laughs) so yeah you know who knows we might even get to that before we do our next uh voyager podcast so
1: all right well uh wherever we podcast next we will see you there and uh have a good night
0: yep live long and prosper